Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Beat School. I'm your host, Kia Orion. I'm the man who is obsessed with making dope music and teaching you how to create your own. This episode of Beat School is actually going to be sponsored by yours truly. I just started my community membership group that's a community group on Facebook uh, called the Beat School Community. This is going to be an exclusive group that I put together for beat makers and songwriters who want to level up. So if you're interested in joining that group, um, it's me and a bunch of students that I've had go through my Skillshare, Udemy, and private courses. Um, And I think it'll be a really cool community of kind of folks that are all interested in getting better. And this is going to be a group that I actually have as a paid membership down the line. But right now, I want to run the beta program and just start kind of getting people's ideas on what I can do to make the program better and um, get kind of a, a feel for things before I launch it. But so that is my plug for the day. If you're interested in that, please shoot me a DM and let me know. I would love to have you in the group. Um... Yeah, other than that, it's going to be a pretty straightforward episode. Per usual, if you aren't, uh, if you're not familiar with the podcast, what I do is I break down questions from people in my community that we ask, that they ask me every week, or different things that I find either on forums or in my courses where people ask questions about music production, songwriting, inspiration, life around music in general. And that's kind of what I do. Um, I'm excited to jump into this one. I think we've got a good episode for you guys today. I'm going to try to make these a little bit longer rather than trying to knock them out uh, and having a bunch of small episodes. I'd rather have kind of one longer episode where we dive into a bunch of different things um, because I think that that can deliver a little bit more value so that way um, we can go deeper on topics. I feel like there's been a lot on my mind recently with the COVID stuff around music and opportunity and online business. And I just want to dig deeper into these questions. So these are going to run a little bit longer than they did in the past. But that's the point of uh, being um, your own boss as you get to decide what you do with your content. So the first thing is first. This one is from Guy, And it says, landing jobs in music production. He says, I graduated college two years into my career. I'm having real doubts about committing to this field long term. Music has always been my passion. I've been teaching myself music production for the last four years and giving this serious thought. However, I'm not sure where to go next. I need some guidance. Um, Should I get a four-year degree in these fields of music production or engineering? Should I get some sort of certification or an online program to get hired? So, Braggai, here's going to be my take on this. As someone who has graduated from a fancy-ass school, uh, if you don't know much about my story, um, started at Boston University had way too much fun, got kicked out, and then ended up in community college, transferred to Cornell University in New York, and then graduated from Cornell, and moved on, worked in the music industry for briefly brief period of time, and then life took me on its own way. I say that to say, I have the fancy-ass degree, and it didn't get me anywhere. Um, it got me maybe my first, helped me get my first job, which was at a nonprofit, but um, a few years into my quote-unquote professional career as a grown man, um, I had a degree from Cornell. I couldn't get a job at Whole Foods. I've posted that rejection letter on my Instagram before. Um, I applied to a bunch of different jobs. I couldn't even, I was having a hard time landing temp jobs. So my point being, I say that to say, don't feel like some sort of professional um, certification is going to save you or give you a leg up, especially in the music field. I think it really depends on what you want to do, but my advice would be rather than spending that money on some sort of certification or program, um, really invest that time into possibly online courses. That's not just because I'm an online course creator. I really mean it. Invest that time and energy into either online courses or 
finding some way to just get your skills better because it depends what you want to do, but music is such a field of the wild, wild west that most people are not going to be looking for a resume or certification. They're going to know what have you done before, what can you do for me, or where are you. The The real key to music is leveraging attention because the days are gone when someone, when some record executive or A&R, someone would put money down on someone they didn't know and then invest a bunch of money into that person to try to get them to get huge. Instead, they want, they want a sure thing, right? I don't blame them. That's the safe business move. You want to invest in something that's already hot because you see it's already got momentum. So my thing would be instead of, tr- it depends also, you say you want to get hired. My my question would be where and why. If you want to work at a studio, they're not really going to care so much about your certification. That's a relationship game. Try to get your foot in the door. Again, you know, there's always those stories about Prince as the janitor, like, Music production, it uh, it really comes down to what you want to do with it. But if you want to be a music producer, this has nothing to do with online certification. Like, do you think Timbaland has a certification or Pharrell went to school for this? Like, um, just bla- like, think about your favorite producers and then look at the paths that they took to get where they want to be. That would be my big piece of advice. Ill mind. All these really dope producers, rappers, I guarantee... N- not none of them because that I can't guarantee that. I would guarantee 99% don't have a certification or went to school for music. So something to think about. Invest that time and money back into yourself, into your skill, into your craft, and into developing relationships because this is a relationship game. And that is really going to land you a job, depending on what you want, a lot faster than a certification. Something to think about. All right, on to the next one. This one came from my uh, community. This one is Amanda Johnson. Amanda, I appreciate you writing to me. Uh, She said, I would love for you to cover um, a course and some information on how to listen for different elements as a producer. Um, Anything you do to break down that sort of a sound uh, would be awesome. So, Amanda, first of all, thank you so much for being a part of the community. appreciate you being here. Second of all, I will absolutely do a course on this, um, but I wanted to take a second to kind of dive into this a little bit more because this is an important question. When it comes to listening... In creating, um, one of the biggest pieces of advice I give to producers when they're first starting out is you have to remake a lot of beats. Figure out who are the producers. Take the time to figure out who are the producers that you genuinely love and then remake a bunch of beats of theirs or at least try to and see what the tools, techniques, and tactics are that those people are using, those producers, and incorporate those into your own game. Imitation is the best form of flattery, right? And a lot of people want to be original, and I don't blame them, but you still have your inspirations. Every artist draws inspiration from somewhere else. I don't care who you are. No one lives in a vacuum. So don't feel like you're ripping off, especially at the beginning of these other producers. I'll do a course on this and dive into more detail, but really um, think about each element of a track individually and then try to replicate that. So don't listen to the whole track it's a different way of listening. The same way if you were an editor, I'd imagine uh, if a copy editor, it's different if you're reading a book for pleasure than if you're reading it for work and really looking for those mistakes. When I'm just like listening to a song, I'm just letting it play. I'm not turning on that analytical part of my brain. When I'm listening to it as a producer, I'm really focusing on the individual elements. Where are things sitting in the mix? How are things panned? What instruments are they using? Oh, maybe I've heard that VST before. I know that snare sound. I know that clap sound. Like how are they structuring things? You've got to really... Get it, it takes practice, but turn on the analytical side of your brain 
and just listen deeper. That's the best advice that I can have without giving you the visual representation. Um, but try to really listen to each individual element. And then if you can rebuild it, that would be my big piece of advice for that is just remake a lot of beats and learn to listen intently. But I'll talk about that later. Um, Let's jump into another question. This one says, tracks on Spotify mixed and recorded at home by Lawyer Malloy. Hey guys, my buddy and I do all our recording, mixing and mastering at home. We've got clean sounding mixes, but our track sounds quieter than others on Spotify. I have a feeling this is because the others are made in a professional studio and um, they had a professional doing the mixing and mastering. So here's the thing, Lawyer Malloy. This is an interesting one because if you listen to a lot of tracks on Spotify, they'll be, after they get put on Spotify, they get pre compressed even more. And you're right that a lot of these are um, mixed and recorded in professional studios, but a lot aren't. Like one of my favorite rappers, Russ, he makes and masters his entire whole first album. And if you listen to it, it sounds dope. And that I guarantee was not um, recorded in a professional studio. Um, I think I've, I listened to him talk about he, how much of that album he recorded on the road. I think Drake's Hotline Bling was recorded in a hotel room. I know a lot of these rappers and guys that you hear that are really dope. A lot of that stuff is recorded in hotel rooms while they're on tour. So I would not let that be an excuse. I do think this probably comes down to your mastering. Um, mixing is incredibly important, obviously, to get where everything sits in the mix, but then mastering is really going to be where you take it to the next level in terms of the volume and how it plays in a place like Spotify, something like that. There are certain plugins. I use um, Pro L2 for mastering, and it's a, it's a limiter. And if you put that on, it'll tell you exactly where in your dB range you need for it to show up for it to be effective on streaming platforms because streaming platforms have a certain dB that they're looking for. I think it's like, I forget what it is. I can't recall it off top, but don't plug in if you're looking for that. I would guarantee that don't let it be an excuse that it needs to be professionally mixed and mastered. Yes, use those services if you have the budget and you want to, but you can absolutely learn to do these things yourself. That's what my entire... Um, the thesis is those are the courses that I teach my membership site all of those things are around learn how to do this stuff yourself so that you have control you don't have to pay anyone doesn't come down to budget doesn't come down to time you have control over your product over your creative your creativity and in the end game eventually it'll make you a better artist because you'll be able to articulate those things better when you end up working with a professional engineer so that would be my take record at home learn how to do these skills when you have the budget Use it, but don't let that be a crutch on why your stuff doesn't sound dope. All right, on to the next on on to the next one. This one is newbie by Taz Devil. It says, Hey guys, before I begin, um, I want to let you know that I'm 36 years old. I've been writing um, lyrics as long as I can remember. Something comes naturally to me, however, beats that's a different monster. I don't blame you. That's why I should sign up for my beat making courses. Hey, shameless plug. Um, it says I downloaded FL Studio. He talks a lot more about I really want to come out of my shell, even though I'm close to 40, and take on this rap thing. I'm older, but I have a lot to say. I have a job and a kid, but I'm excited to dive into this. He says, Do I continue to educate myself on beat making? Or how do aspiring rappers find producers? He says, any tips, advice, thoughts regarding anything I've shared? All right, so Taz. So Taz, here's the thing. First of all, people are going to try to tell you you're too old. You're not too old to express yourself. Um, I'm almost 30, and I'm still trying to just start my rap career. So I'm right there with you. This is maybe something I tell myself to self-soothe, but it's the truth. Um, you're never too old to have a message to send. Here's the thing. Um, when it comes to making beats, 
it really depends on how passionate you are about making your beats compared to your rapping. If you want to just be a rapper and or a poet or whatever it is and a writer, that's totally fine. I'm not going to force production on you. Um, so many amazing producers out there. There's no reason for you to need to learn how to make beats unless you want to, which is my other part of this process. Um, if you want to learn how to make beats, I would highly recommend it because it is one of the most rewarding skills I've ever learned. One, it comes back into this idea, which we were just talking about of DIY that we don't have to rely on anyone for beats. But more than that, it's just an awesome skill to have. Like Nothing brings me more joy than making music, and when a, it it feels different making a beat than writing a song, but it's still um, there's something that's really dope. It's one of my favorite pastimes, my favorite hobbies, um, is making beats. And so I also love writing songs as well, but it's a, it's just a different muscle, man. So I would say it really depends on what you're into and what you're looking to get out of it. If you are looking to make beats, I would highly recommend it. And I would say continue to educate yourself on beat making, sign up for one of my programs, um, or there are a ton of free programs. If you don't want one of mine, join my community. A um, bunch of producers in there looking to get better. Um, I would say um, when it comes to beat making, so much of this comes down to practice and having a structured practice plan, not giving up, falling in love with the process. But if you only want to rap, then please don't feel like you got to make beats. Just buy beats online. There are so many on YouTube, amazing producers. These kids are like 14 and cooking up hits, and it's crazy. So it really comes down to you figuring out what do you want out of this and then running with it from there. But if you want to learn how to make beats, um, it's an incredible skill. Would highly recommend. Uh, very rewarding. Feels different, but um, one of my favorite things to do when I have time. All right, moving on. Um, this one is by Penny Bread. What makes the song The Mint by Earl Sweatshirt so good? The Mint by Earl Sweatshirt is one of my favorite tracks of all time, but I haven't been able to find any breakdowns on what makes it so great. What went into making a track as good as this? And then they post the link to the song. And Penny Bread... Um, I listened to the song. So first of all, this is what I think is so interesting about art is that it's so subjective, right? Because I, I, I liked the song, but it wasn't my favorite song. It didn't seem super groundbreaking to me. There are other Earl songs that I love, um, more than that one. But here's the thing. Here's what I, when I was thinking about these questions, I was going to answer them. This is what I wanted to say to you. What makes Earl songs so good? It could be this song. It could be another one. Is this because he's being truly himself? I think Earl, when you think about the collective, the Odd Future Collective, so many of those guys, Tyler, Earl, Frank, Domo Genesis, um, so many left brain. Some of these guys were like truly authentically unique. And that's something that you can feel. And so I think in an Earl sweatshirt song like this, a big element that goes into it is that he is, it feels different. Right, like I haven't heard songs like that before. It feels genuine. It feels unique. It feels um, just there's a there's an there's almost like this angry energy to these Earl songs that if you try to make songs like this again, like I talked about before, it's good to run with the inspiration, but don't try to make an Earl song or imitate Earl when it comes to your writing. Use use this technique to maybe write like him, but try to, I think it's where rappers get so caught up because they so often want to embody what they think is popping by l writing lyrics about shit that isn't true, that isn't their true life. Of like, kids are like 14 and like, yo, I'm driving a Ferrari and doing this and I'm shooting that guy. And I'm like, dude, you're like in ninth grade, like chill. 
Talk about what's going on in ninth grade. Talk about what's going on in your life. And so I think when it comes to these Earl songs, when I was listening to it and looking at the lyrics and stuff, like he's very much just being himself. And he's found his own flow, his own vibe from practice and doing this over and over and over. That I think for you, what I'd recommend is figure out what it is for you that makes you unique and lean into that. Because there will, if you can be truly one-on-one, a one-of-one, that means that there is no competition. And if you can be truly yourself, then that means that there, there's no, there's no way anyone can compete with you because no one else can be you. But as soon as you start trying to be like Earl, that's when you water down your product because you are, you'll never be able to be Earl because Earl's Earl, and no one will be able to make that style as good as him because that's his fucking style. You feel me? So when it comes to this, I think what makes songs like this so good is when the artist is truly different and unique. Um, and I'll stop beating this dead horse cause you get what I'm saying. But, um, a lot of artists that do that well, it doesn't really matter what song it is. If they're able to be themselves on the track, you can feel that come through and that makes good art. Authenticity brother rap about what is going on in your life. Don't try to be somebody else. But with that being said, use this stuff as inspiration and analyze his writing and see what you like about it. And then incorporate those, steal those ideas, and then build on it. All right. Uh, this one's more of a marketing question, but I liked it. This one's by Levi. 78 link clicks to beat stars on a beat, but no purchases. Hey, yo, I put up an ad on my latest beat, um, which is a minute clip of it with an animation. Uh, I was sending people to BeatStars with the shop now button. I had 78 people click the link, but no purchases. I can't imagine why people would click the link and not buy. Anyone have any guesses? The only thing is that I'm thinking is that maybe people like the preview, but um, didn't like the full beat because it had a shortened intro. So here's the thing, brother. This is a really hard game to crack because Facebook ads is such a skill. Um, or Instagram ads. I'm not sure what you're running it on. I guess it says, um, yeah, I don't think you said either or doesn't really matter. This is, it's such a different game getting someone to click a link than it is to get someone to buy something. I'm going to say that again. It's different having someone click a link than it is having them buy something, even if they like the product. What I would recommend is, especially if it's cold, no one knows who the fuck you are. Even if they like your beat, depending on how you're targeting, like these could have been, I'm not sure where you're targeting, so you didn't give us enough information, but these could have been like 78 like like moms in India. Like maybe you ran, your target demographic is totally off, your targeting is weird. Like, so I, I don't want to jump into this too much, but I do want to make this point because I think it's important. Um, rather than trying to get people just to buy off of cold traffic, what I would recommend instead is run ads targeted make sure you get you know your people to some sort of a free offer that you can collect an email or at least pixel them so that way you can do one of two things one if you get their email say you give off five free beats or something you get an email you can continually build that relationship it's so much easier to sell to people who know like and trust you so that's something, but that takes time to develop and build. Another thing you do is send them to a landing page or someplace where you can pixel them. If you don't know what that means, it's pretty much a Facebook pixel is a thing you put in your page that tracks people's information. And then what you can do is you can then retarget those people later on. Or maybe you run this ad again 
and make sure that it's, you know, you have the pixel, everything set up and see who watches the video all the way through and then only retarget those people. And then maybe have another offer that you send those people or have them send them to another video. And then if the people from that first video watch a whole nother video, then you know that these people are actually invested in some way. But you got to get people, you've got to figure out who your warm audience is and who's actually kind of committed to this because clicking a link in a purchase are a world away. Not always, but a lot of times it's a lot easier. You're going to spend, your money's going to be better spent if you're able to warm that audience up, send them to something free, build that relationship, get an email. Um, and then down the line, you know, this is what Gary Vee talks about all the time. Like his brand, Gary Vee could sell anything because if you like Gary, you'll buy his wine, you'll buy, you'll come part of a Sasha group. You'll sign up for whatever the fuck it is, his shoes. Like just because, um, he, he gives so much. Jab, 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 right hook, my Gary V shit, check it out. That's my take on that. Work on your pixel, work on your audience. Don't try to sell from the jump. Work on collecting emails and information and then retargeting from there. Okay, um, we'll do a few more and then get you guys out of here. This is by Nam Sang Do. What's the most valuable tool in your music making arsenal? What can't you do without? What gives you the most power over your projects? First of all, my first one's gonna be obviously my laptop. My second one is going to be my DAW, which is Ableton Live. I think those are the two things that you absolutely need is some sort of a DAW in a computer, obviously. If you wanna do it all hardware, that's totally cool too. I know some guys who get a cracking on an SP404 um, off of just samplers. To each their own, you gotta have something that you gotta have something you can paint on or paint with, right? But those would be my two. When it comes to fancy plugins um, or my beat making arsenal, some things that I do use a lot. Um, this is gonna sound silly. Get an external mouse. Don't fuck around with the trackpad. Get a nice pair of headphones. That's another one. Don't have to. You could also do this on just shitty headphones, but it goes a long way having some actual nice headphones. Um, but when it comes to tools in my toolkit, this is a really hard one. Um, but when I thought about it, I was like, oh man, what's the one thing I can't do without? And that would probably be Splice which is one of my favorite online resources because it's all these different sample packs. And I don't use a beat without using something from Splice. And I mean that. And although it sounds silly, like there are all these, I have all these crazy plugins I use all the time, blah, blah, blah. Splice sounds, if you were to invest in one thing, that would be what I recommend because you can rent to own software in there and then it can just take you from zero to hero so fast with the amazing loops, um, with the different... Uh, rent to own plugins. They have uh, just so many things available for inspiration there. Cannot recommend Splice enough. That would be my one recommendation if I could only have one thing in my producer toolkit. All right, guys, last question. I wanted to talk to this uh, about this one because some of my students ask me this one a lot. I don't understand 808s or kick drums at all. I watch a ton of mixing videos on how to mix 808s so it's not peaking above 0 dB and whatnot, but then when I'm done mixing, I can't hear it that much. Do most producers just have the 808s too loud? Here's the thing with 808s and kicks. I should do a MIDI course on this, but when it comes to mixing 808s, it's all about having them not compete in frequencies, and one of the best way to do that is by using sidechain compression. That's a super easy way to do it, kind of a cheat code. Um, here is how I would do it and how I would mix it down, my 808s and my kicks. I actually get a lot of compliments on mine because I love my thumping kicks and I love 808s. Bass in your face. Here's how i do it. Have your kicks, have your 808s, sidechain your 808 to your kick, and I'm talking heavy sidechain compression. If you don't know what that is, look it up. So that every time your kick triggers, your 808 ducks out of the way. And then for your total mix, when your mix is finished, have your mix peaking around negative 4 dB. So the loudest point in your entire track is going to be around negative 4 dB. 
and then learn how to use a limiter to kind of compress the whole track and bring the whole track up together. Um, but when it comes to those two, you can't have two things in the same place at the same time. And a lot of times your 808s and your kicks are going to go on and compete. And so you either have to carve that out with like really um, surgical EQ or some sidechain compression. I don't really EQ either one that much. I just use a ton of sidechain compression on my tracks to get my kicks to come through in my 808s. Also another way, if your 808s, you can't hear them, add distortion, particularly Camel Crusher, and bring out some of the highs in your 808s, especially with distortion, and you'll be able to get a little bit more um, of kind of like 808 growl coming through your mix um, that you might not be able to hear otherwise because they're so low with those frequencies. So add some distortion, sidechain compression, Learn how to limit your tracks and mix. Look, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. That is going to be the episode for the day. Um, again, I'm going to play it one more time. Come join me in my um, producer, songwriter, artist community. It's called Beat School. Shoot me a DM. Or if you have questions and you want them answered on this show, please holler at me, Kia, at KiaOrion.com, at KiaOrion, everywhere on social. Let's come get it in. Let's come get busy. Um, build some cool hip-hop shit together. appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, another episode of Beat School wrapped. Ready to rock. All right. Check you all in a minute. Coming to you next week. Thanks again. Peace.